Hi, I'm Ben. Hi, I'm Rob. We've been mates since we met at drama school in 2004. We're both actors, and for the last 10 years we've been working in all sorts of productions, from small fringe shows to big arena tours. We love the theatre, so we thought we would make a podcast to bring you a series of inspiring conversations with interesting people from the world of theatre. So this is our podcast. Welcome to Inside the West End. Inside the West End with Ben Morris and Rob Copeland. Thank you for downloading episode 15 of Inside the West End. Follow us on Twitter at Inside West End, or if you want to contact us, then email Inside the West End at gmail.com. Coming up, we go backstage at Phantom of the Opera in the West End in our first group interview on Inside the West End podcast with Room 108. It's all very well and good making a theatre podcast and only speaking to leading men, top directors, choreographers, producers in the industry. But we wanted to hear about the real life of the average jobbing actor working on a long running show. So this is what we did. Here's our chat with Room 108 at Phantom of the Opera. This is Room 108, backstage at Phantom. And you're listening to Inside the West End. We are, for the second time, backstage in Her Majesty's Theatre, but this time it's a bit different. We're about to conduct our first ever group interview in the Lads' Dressing Room 108, which also used to be the dressing room of Inside the West End's very own Benjamin Ulysses Morris. That's right, yeah. Spent two very fun years here. So... Here we are. We've got four guys here. We, we've never done a group interview, so I think the best place to start is one by one going around and just saying your name, what your role is in the show, and how long you've been in Room 108. Well, uh, my name is Richard Monday. I have been in Phantom of the Opera for nearly five years. Uh, I play the pivotal role of policeman in the pit, very pivotal, and of course I understudy uh, the role of Raoul. Okay, my name's Tim Laurenti. I, um, I've been here also nearly five years, and I play the role of uh, Monsieur Lefebvre. Hi, um, my name is Tim Morgan. I play uh, Donatilio, uh, who's the uh, bass chap in Il Muto, and then I play the pivotal role of the fire chief in Act Two. I also cover the auctioneer, Monsieur Lefebvre, and Monsieur Fearman. I've been in a show uh, at Her Majesty's for, in my fourth year, but I have been in it twice before. I came in uh, 2000, then I came for a year uh, about seven years ago. So that's me, Tim. And Moore. when you were in the in the past, Tim, you actually covered Phantom. I did, yes. I was a little bit younger then. Um, and my voice was lighter, so that always helps, as Phantom's a little bit high for me now. But I can get there. I can it's still any do style. It. You do any style, do I can do any style. Mm. I can turn my voice to anything. I'm Keith Hyam. I'm the newbie in room 108. Been here nine months now and I'm the new swing in the building and I cover Donatilio and Bouquet as well. So uh, Tim Laurenti and Richard Monday, you've been in room 108 for the longest this period. The dynamic must have changed over the years. What's that like uh, seeing faces come and go? I don't think it's changed too much I think since we've been here. There's been a sort of core sort of group members who've created have made it sort of very uh, very fun and very light-hearted and also we, we've almost ended up being the sort of nervous system of the building sort of the central nervous system you know sort of organizing uh, different events charity events yeah, parties. we love a project we love yeah a project. there's always a project going on in this room and i think it seems like the people have just sort of come in and joined our room every year just sort of got on board with uh, whatever's going on so when you say you love a project uh, what do you mean by that similarity 
Mr. Project. No, we like raising money for charity. We love loads of charity stuff. Obviously, they used to do West End Eurovision, which was part of the West End, which has stopped now for a while. We also play in a charity football match every year. We raise money for that. Well, we cycled to Paris as well. A little short um, ride. Which we decided to do for charity as well. We had a great send-off from everyone. We were raising money for Macmillan uh, Cancer Research. So we did two shows, and then we got on our bikes, got a good, great send-off with a, a brass band. Um, and then cycled all the way to Folkestone and got to Calais, wasn't it? Got so we had about four minutes sleep. We coffee and a baguette in yeah. in France, and then off we went. <laughs> is this uh, this constant looking for like interesting projects, things to do? Is this a byproduct of being in the same show for a long time? Yeah, I think so because you know it's eight shows a week. It can appear to be repetitive. It's not because we're always doing something different. Each show is different, but I suppose we look for something to stimulate us. When we're in the dressing room, if there's a leaving party, someone's leaving, we're the ones to do it. We write the script, we do the music, we, you know, big old stage show, isn't it? Um, and again, of course, the charity work we do, um, we have a, a tombola every year, a charity tombola. Ben remembers that. Yeah. So people come to room 108. And we Phantom bowler. Phantom bowler, well remembered. It's Christmas such a fair. brilliant way to ch- channel creativity, I think, you know, yeah, generating yeah, money. Have you ever had a character come in when you've got like a tight knit, obviously once every 12 months cast change, have you ever had someone come in and be a negative to that or sap it or change it in a way which is... Go on, you can talk about me if you want yeah. to, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes this room is really sporty because we love our rugby. There's been times when Peter Dukes was here and then Ben Morris and it was all about rugby. And now it's not about rugby, it's more about Eurovision and There's nothing wrong um, with that. ballet and um, the bake-off. <laughs> so we just go with it, yeah. You just go with it because it's great, you know, and it's... Uh, good camaraderie whatever but I'm not sure it's always been like that I think in the past maybe there has been times when you know you don't it doesn't take much does it a couple of people that have different ideas and the room can can change but since I've been here in the five years it's been just absolutely fantastic such a politically correct answer (laughs) the room has been amazing to be in for the year I mean I'm Feel like Olivia so now. Keith, what did you think when you you came to the door at 108 and you saw you about to knock the door and you saw on the placard Theatre of Dreams. <laughs> I think I, I think I didn't notice it for a couple of weeks. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> we need to get a bigger one. There's always there's always like crap hanging over the door anyway. Yeah. But I thought you were going to say then. What what did you think when that door opened and, and Tim Morgan was standing there and his wife? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another thing, listeners, that uh, you might not know that um, some of us ask for show pants, so we get show pants for every show, which are bought for us and labelled. So we wear those during the show and we take them off in the show. And uh, so, do you wear show pants? Tim Laurenti? No. Oh, Tim Laurenti doesn't wear show pants. Richard Monday, do you wear show pants? I don't wear show pants. Right. Uh, Keith, do you wear show pants? I do wear show yes. pants. Yes. <laughs> I wear show pants too. That's uh, two all in the yeah. show pants. Yeah. Leo Miles, he wears show pants. He does, that's three And two. he likes to get changed out of each pair of pants in the dressing room. So we do see Leo Miles' bum every night. Yeah, Leo's bum is well. Good bum though, so it's all right. (laughs) So I've not been in Phantom, I've never been in this dressing room. What is your average evening like in this room? How does it work? Who comes in when? I'm first, aren't I? Generally. I I cycle in uh, from Chisler, so I'm normally here about six six o'clock on a... Um, what, what time do you have to be here? Tell us. Uh, five to seven, which is for very the half. unusual. I think from I think we're, the, we're yeah. probably the only Western show that comes in for the half. I so think we have has a we don't have a warm up apart, 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 apart from Monday. We have a note session and warm up on a Monday at six fifteen, and then get ready for the show at five to seven. Obviously, show starts seven thirty. Uh, I think the lack of no warm up is like due to probably when the company very first started. It was full of opera singers, and opera singers were like so anti warm up before shows, like they did their own warm up. So mm. I think that that's probably why we don't have a warm up because it's all like um, the ballet. Concert. The ballet girls and uh, the ballet boys have a warm up, 
uh, about quarter past six every day. The last couple I've been able to roll in there at 54 minutes to seven and seeing the audience going in, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I haven't even had a shower yet. I'm still in my Lycra on my bike and you're all going in, you're excited <laughs> to have a drink. And I'm not even ready. Are you um, in the opening scene? Yeah, I do the first line pretty much. Yeah, I say showing here. Yeah. What time do you actually get into costume? Because oh, I know when I was ben, here, you know, yeah, ben, you know what time. Ben was like 7.29. Yeah, if, um, if our dresser Andrew was here right now, he would tell you that oh, Ben was uh, fantastic. Ben really didn't know what he was wearing, what scene he was doing, and Andrew would basically tell him exactly, or well, not even tell him, he just give him the Ah, no, there's wigs coming yeah. in. Elvira. Oh, yeah. Elvira. So what's happening now is a member of the wigs department has just arrived with some of the wigs for the last years in the show tonight. And some tequila shots, which is... Uh, Clearly, yeah. obviously. So, you get into costume in the half. From that point on, how does the evening work in this room? Are you often up here? Pretty much. We all spend a fair amount of time up here. First, first half is here, really. There's a good 25 um, minutes when we're all in the room. Watching the Bake Off. Bake Off. Do you have a TV in here? Where's the TV? Yeah, just above there. Behind you there. And okay, and a DVD player. Uh, yeah. We used to have the old PlayStation 3, didn't we? We uh, actually made a football team made of all characters from the show. But not characters from the show, actually actors and actresses from the show. So no. you're guessing, guessing we work really hard really back hard, here and yeah. we have a lot to, a lot to do. <laughs> yeah. So when we go home to our wives, when we say, oh, it's been a really tough day, <laughs> we're just ruining that now. By so, that, you mean I've lost FIFA? Yeah, mm. pretty much, yeah. So there's lots of things that you guys are doing to keep busy when you're not on stage. There must be times when you kind of think to yourself, oh my God, are we really dealing this again? Thursday matinee, for me, I, I, I find that quite difficult to get going for a Thursday matinee, and I don't know why, it's just one of those things. But I think at the end of the day, you just realise that you have got d different paying members of the public come to see the show every night, so you kind of have to treat it like it's a brand new show. But then, yeah, of course, naturally, you're doing, you are doing the same show eight shows a week. And you know, some of us are nearly five years, so it's just finding new ways. I think it's why we do so, what we do. Other things to keep that energy level up. So yeah, it's bouncing off dynamics. other people. I think on stage, that's what I, I like to do. Is um, say literally Jim Hannibal. Yeah, literally bounce off them. Um, you know, pick up things from other people. Don't just be in your own, you know, mindset. Look around, see if anyone's doing anything different, and feed off that. And of course, eight shows a week, you have to do something different. Generally, you know, masquerade is fantastic to do because you know, Ben. If you have fun up on the stairs, it goes so much quicker, and it be, feels like a party. If you just stand there and you don't enjoy it, like the dummies, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna feel <laughs> it's gonna you, be. You pointed at those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the two, uh, Tim and Richard dummies, but you know, you just have to commit to it, and it, it just flies by. It's only six minutes long, masquerade. Explain what you actually mean by dummies. Oh, so they're on the masquerade stairs, um, doing the party scene at top of Act Two. There are actually in amongst the live actors a few sort of mannequins dressed up in different costumes. So when you're watching the show, uh, listeners, um, in amongst there you'll see us and you'll see mannequins as well. Guys, uh, some of you, uh, well three out of the four of you are dads. Uh, Richard, quite recently. Tim Laurenti, you've had uh, a new baby recently too? Yes, yeah. four weeks. Oh, fantastic. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us, how did fatherhood affect uh, your view on the industry, Tim? It made me have to be slightly less ambitious and versatile to what I could actually do. Before I had children, I was able to go and work wherever, wherever it took me, you know, um, on tours. And I was also able to take slightly less paid work. Now I'm, I have more responsibility and I feel slightly more, not trapped, but I feel like I have to stick with what I've got rather than taking more risks. I think you need to take risks in this business to be successful. Most of the people that I know that have been very successful they come in, they do a job, they do it for a year, and then they go off 
and they do something else. But unfortunately, when you have children and you feel that responsibility, you do feel like you should, um, you have to weigh that up a little bit. You could say to that though, then define success, surely doing a job you love and being able to get paid mm. and do it regularly and not have to worry. Many would consider that success. I agree, yeah. I think they would consider that to be successful. So yeah, you're right, yeah. I think you're not gonna get many people that are gonna come and, and see you do Phantom of the Opera that may be in a position to give you work in other, in other areas of the, of the business. It's just not a show people are gonna come and see. But you do something, a, a solar production somewhere at the Union or, or something a bit different, you're gonna get lots of cast members, lots of people in lots of directions, it's gonna create a lot of interest. That, that's what I mean. Then you could, that, from there, you could perhaps, you know, we've had lots of people that have left here, done sort of smaller, more higher profile jobs, and then been able to come back or do higher, more high profile roles. I think that's what I mean. But believe me, I think if you can, if you can earn a living out of it, you are being extremely successful because there's so many people that find it very difficult to do that. There are people in this company, in this room, and in other shows playing kind of featured ensemble, ensemble roles. And I know a number of you have, have, have been principals before in other productions. Did you ever watch the principals and, and feel a pang for that? I used or to you... when I was younger, definitely. I always used to be thinking, I'd love to be doing that, I'd love to be in that part. Why can't I? Maybe I, I, I'm almost maybe doubting the person playing the part. Thinking, well, yeah, I could do that better. And I, I think. When I took got to my 30s, and, and it became more about, like Tim was saying, I think when you've got more responsibilities, it becomes more about, less about your ambitions and your own career path. Um, it just becomes about just doing the job. And for me, in the last sort of six, seven years, I've just kind of just been grateful for what I've had and what I've got, and sort of just got on, just got on with it, really. Because, Richard, you used to play Mickey in Blood Brothers. I right. was in Blood Brothers. Yeah, so you well, used to be. Did you not know that? Were you in Blood Brothers? Oh my goodness! The joke is Richard talks about that all the time in the dressing room. All we, the but we love him for that. But Richard, <laughs> you were the lead part in a big West End show. So, so for you, that that, that transition must be quite different. It's strange. I think because it was such a there was about five six year gap between playing Mickey in Blood Brothers to doing Phantom of the Opera. But I think the scale of the shows <clears> is so different. So. For me, going into Phantom was a real dream, so I was not too bothered about what I did in the show. I think maybe if I'd gone straight from uh, Blood Brothers to Phantom, maybe with a three-month gap, it might have been a bit strange, but um, five years of being on tour, um, constantly living out of a suitcase, um, I was just desperate to get a job back in London, and, and I didn't really care what I did. And Something like Les Mis or Phantom, the, the long-running shows where you know you possibly got a bit of stability, um, I think in my early 30s, that's all I wanted. So I was really, really happy when I, I got, I was second cover row. So I was more than happy with that. Hope you're enjoying the conversation. Stay with us and we'll be back to the chat in a moment. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast. We release a new episode every Sunday. And if you're subscribed, it'll just appear on your device ready for you to listen to. Whether you're using an iPhone or an Android or a laptop of some kind, it's easy to subscribe. Just open your podcast app. If it's an iPhone, then next to the logo for our show, there's a little settings wheel that looks a bit like a cog. Click on that and a few options down, it says subscribe. Or for Android, if you're using DoublePod, then click the subscribe button next to our logo. And of course, the best part is it's completely free. Make sure you stay tuned right to the end of this episode and you'll hear a clip revealing who's on next week's show. Now back to the chat with Room 108. Tim, you've got three kids. Um, how do you find the work-life balance of being... A, you're a very, very active dad. You get very involved in, your, in, in what your kids do. Uh, how do you find it working as an actor in the West End and being part of a family like that? I'm really lucky. You know, I spend a lot of time with my kids, um, whereas a lot of working dads get up at 7 in the morning, travel into London, wherever they travel, and then probably don't get home till 8 o'clock. 
some, you know, my neighbour doesn't get home till nine o'clock. So, you know, I literally leave my house at 5 p.m. and I'm back at 10, 11 when the kids are in bed. So if the kids are off, I spend all day with them. I can do the school runs. I do all the school runs and then I can pick them up at three o'clock. And all the mums, you know, I come to, the, you know, some dads, and they all think that I don't work because I'm there all the time. And I don't tell them I'm in family opera because it's a secret. Nobody knows. It is hard. You have to do sort of with the childcare and stuff because, you know, sometimes we have to do matinees and rehearsals. So I always said to my wife that we have to take sort of every week as it comes to get childcare, to sort the kids out, who's picking who up, who's, you know, dropping who off. And, you know, it works pretty well. And obviously with Tim and Richard now, because they've got much younger children, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because you have to organise your life around the show a little bit, you know. Yeah, completely. It's um, very... uh, At the moment, I think, because my little one, Ava, she's still quite young, so she's quite portable, so... Um, <laughs> can move around it's pretty good um, but in the uh, backpack off you yeah, go literally and on the bike she's happy with that she loves the bike uh, she um, but I, for me with the beginning it was just lack of sleep doing the show coming home at 11 o'clock and my wife's asleep the baby's asleep and then getting up at 1 getting up at 3 getting up at 5 um, maybe just to settle her down or whatever and then all of a sudden she half past 6 comes and she's wide awake and ready to start the day and I'm like brilliant I've got to do a show tonight and my other two jobs so. yeah I suppose the hardest one for me was um, middle child Oliver was born uh, when I was in Mary Poppins and my wife was retraining uh, she was a mid- uh, she was a stage manager then retrained to be a midwife so we had she had Oliver in the middle of retraining to be a midwife, which is quite handy. You know, she could self-deliver, self-service. But literally, she, after two weeks of having Oliver, she went back to college. So I was literally left holding the baby and then have to go on the show at night. And it was just ridiculous, really. So, you know, I was absolutely exhausted. But, you know, it's to literally get on the train, sleep for half an hour, and I was fine. But um, So that's fatherhood in West End. You just mentioned uh, that you were in Mary Poppins. Yes. Uh, There's an amazing story that you tell about one day you showed up to Mary Poppins on a Saturday morning and you didn't end up doing that show that day. Uh, Would you mind telling us that story? Yeah, yeah. So I was in the dressing room. It's about 10 to 2 on a matinee day on a Saturday. So the show Uh, starts at 2.30. 2.30, yeah. Um, Sitting there having my uh, bagel. And then I had a phone call from David Lamb, who's the company manager at Phantom, saying... um, are you available this afternoon? I said, well, no, uh, for what? And I uh, said, are you available? I said, no, I've got, um, I'm in Mary Poppins. He said, oh, right, can you come and do Monsieur Fearman? I said, uh, it was a character in Phantom. And I said, when? He said, oh, 2.30 now. I said, well, I'm literally going to start Mary Poppins in half an hour. And he said, no, we'd like you to come down. So they cleared it with the uh, stage manager from uh, Poppins. And then I went, I ran down to Her Majesty's. Because you had been working in Phantom before Yeah, I did uh, Phantom. The last time I played uh, Monsieur Fierman was 10 months before this phone call. So I was okay with it, but literally I turned up and there was no one here because there were such sick people and a few people got stuck on tubes and stuff. So literally ended up doing uh, Monsieur Fierman for the afternoon and then um, the chap turned up who was supposed to play the role and then uh, I went back to do Mary Poppins in the evening. So it was good fun. <laughs> Two shows in one day, so that was wow. really cool. Is this someone else's costume then, you? I mean, no, no, it was a sort of mishmash of right. someone else's and what something from Poppins, I think. They brought down my trousers from Poppins. <laughs> An umbrella. An umbrella, yes, <laughs> mate. But I thought they'd give me the night off because I'd done them a favour, you know, stepping yeah. in, saving the show. Um, <laughs> no, no. But I had to go back to do Mary Poppins in the evening, which is great fun. I, um, and it's happened recently. One of the chaps here, um, uh, Chris... Christopher Dickens, who yeah. plays Monsieur Andre, uh, he was recently in uh, Warhorse, um, and then he got called over to do Warhorse, 
and one Saturday matinee. But I think he ended up doing the two on the day, two shows. But he said it was quite scary because even though he knew it, he was acting with different people. So it is very different, different dynamic. But yeah, he saved the show that day as well. It must give such uh, an amazing amount of energy to the stage that day, to the cast, you know, watching this person who they've not necessarily seen before. Yeah, yeah, it was a really nice experience. And everyone was coming to the dressing room. And I remember Earl Carpenter, I think, was playing the Phantom at the time, came into my dressing room, was chatting and chatting. And I'm trying to look at the score to remember what I actually did in the show. And I said, thanks, Earl, but op it, you know. Let me get on with it because I needed to refresh my sort of uh, knowledge of the show, but it's fine. We all wish that the wages for West End performers, particularly in the ensemble, were a bit more. And lots of people who work in the West End have to have second jobs. Or not necessarily have to, but choose to have a sec- second job. Do you guys have second jobs? I do, yes. I um, I think it's mainly <coughs> because we only have year contracts. And even though I've been here for five years, I've been, I've been renewed for, for those times which has been fantastic I always fear that at some point it will come to an end and so I kind of like to have a backup so um, and I've just literally I am a girl who can't say no to work at all so um, I don't need to have one job I sometimes have two jobs or three jobs depending um, on what's been offered I think I, I would be fine just doing the show the money's okay and you know, it's, it's, it's manageable but in order to have savings and to think about the future and you know, um, kids and things like that. I think it's quite important for me personally to have other things going on. Also, I think my wife and I, when we got married, um, we've kind of enjoyed ourselves the last few years too. So we have nice holidays and stuff. And the <laughs> other jobs have paid for that. Australia and Maldives before the baby came along, and my triathlon career, traveling around Europe with my very expensive bike. So the uh, the other jobs have helped with that. When you say other jobs. Can we ask you what these other jobs are? One of my jobs is singing and armchair aerobics to um, for old people in, in care homes. I've recently started a job singing to babies and toddlers called Baby Broadway. And I also do a lot of teaching for my friend's company, West End Experience. A few Blood Brothers workshops, because I was in Blood Brothers. Oh, he's in oh, Blood Brothers. Yeah. yeah. What role did you play? I played Mickey, actually. Oh, and that's, the that's the lead, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. the lead role. Yeah, one of the twins. Yeah. Did, did, I, did I not mention that? Do, Sorry. Do the poem. <laughs> do the poem. Oh, I was so it. close. <laughs> Which really? was our Sammy. Yeah, Sammy's nearly ten. That's all you get in. Yeah. <laughs> That's Scouse accent, awful. <laughs> awesome. I was just going to say, Richard's being quite modest there. He's um, he's does the tra- uh, triathlon. No, decathlon. What do you do? Triathlon. It's not a triathlon. It's a triathlon. 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 <laughs> um, That's when you eat truffles. He is the <laughs> Euro- uh, He's the amateur European champion for his age group between the age of. 31 and 35 something like, something that, like yeah. that something like that he's been again being very modest which basically he goes and competes against these guys that have got sponsors they've got uh, they've got the best bikes they've got all the best training they eat the best food and he's having done it all himself and you go over to all, all, all around Europe and you qualify and you you aren't the officially the the fastest 30 to 31 to 35 year old amateur in Europe two years running is that two, correct yeah I guess so yeah I've won the and he has, champion and he has a baby work. and he does free jobs as well so I think he's been a bit modest with his, with his well I don't know about that he never, he's a machine he never stops he, he, in between shows on a Thursday you know we'll have a little chill out we'll watch a bit of TV and he's off he's off up Hyde Park he's running around and he cycles up for a swim somewhere it's ridiculous he's a machine what's your average day then for fitting all of that in <laughs> Uh, well, for example, today was quite interesting. I got up at 7 o'clock this morning. I then cycled 
uh, 27 miles to Sydenham, South London from Watford. I then sang to babies. I then went to Crystal Palace swimming pool and I swam three kilometres and then headed up to Wembley and then I sang to old people, did armchair aerobics. I then cycled into the theatre to see you guys. That's kind of an average day. And then oh yeah, the and then you have a show tonight. And then the show tonight, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and you're cycling home after? No. I'm cheating. I'll get the train. Lazy. Home. Lightweight. Who do I think I am? <laughs> Keith, you have a second job. Not currently now, but um, I'm leaving in September and I'm currently looking for a second job to overlap. So I've got a scooter as well. So I've just been looking into Deliveroo because it's self-employed as well. So it's if you scoot around all around London, it's like it's easy money, really. I think this is what people don't, well, they probably do realise, but it's worth saying that, you know, you, you earn a, a fairly decent wage for the hours that you do. But then obviously when it stops, it just stops literally just like that. No more. And in some countries like Germany, you are there's a the, the system there is you get carried on get paid, if you work somewhere for a year you then get paid another six months uh, money that you're on to, to to help you with that period of you know between being out of work. But whereas in this in, as a performer, it just literally stops. So I think that's why sometimes the money's not always that great because of the fact that it, it, it just stops like so abruptly. So that's why you have to constantly think about how am I going to manage if that happens. If, let's say, any of you ha- do decide you are leaving, is that a worry? I spent about three years before Phantom working for Opera North, which is an opera company, and I was quite secure there at work, and they're very loyal, and it's, it's, the world's totally different in that, in, in that um, genre. Like, you've, you feel like you know that you're part of something that you're going to continue doing because they do everything in rep and stuff like that. And I chose to take myself out of that because I was not feeling too great about it and I didn't know whether I wanted to do it fully as a career. And this this came up just by accident to me. Doing a year in a show is perfectly fine, but now I'm leaving. I don't know actually what I'm going to do next at all. So I think being a bit younger because I'm younger than these three handsome gentlemen here. I've just I'm just about to turn 31 and I've worked for 10 years in the industry and when you're a bit younger, you don't feel like you need a second job because you have responsibilities less. Like, you know, when you get your first West End job a year out of college, you're like, oh my God, look, that much money, amazing. Mm-hmm. And then like, as your life progresses and you experience more in your life and you understand more about what, what life's worth, you realize that it actually isn't that much money. And for the first time in my life, I'm experiencing that this year. Like it's not the same amount of money as I've been earning. With Like when I was working in opera, I was doing concerts as well. I was bringing in more money and I was doing more stuff, but because I'd moved back to London for this job as well, I only have been in this money from this job, which has been fine, but not really thought about my future while I've been here. Being a swing, I've never really had that moment of like, even like, once you get a couple of months into a job doing a track and then you cover, you're like, okay, so now I've, I need some more things to stimulate me and understand what I want to do with, with my time off. I don't really have that feeling. Like in the daytime, I get a little bit lost because well, we bought a flat and we moved and like we've moved further away from London and that took a lot of time up over a couple of months. But now I'm kind of in a bit of a frame of mind of like, God, what am I going to do with my time in the day? Because <laughs> I live in zone six. Guys, can you tell us about some of the backstage antics? Is there anything in particular that has stuck in your mind that's happened over the years? Uh, my favourite was um, when I was last on the show, uh, when the bouquet dummy drops. You know, it's obviously a dummy, it's not a real actor. Um, so it comes down with a real force um, and his leg fell off. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, 
for the rest of the rooftop scene, which is, you know, uh, the fa- lovely duet between uh, Raoul and Christine, there was just this leg on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, luckily was out of their way a little bit, but I could see it still, and I was just giggling, just watched them try to manoeuvre themselves around. So, and then another time, the same dummy, I think it was about the same time that his um, trousers fell down as well. <laughs> so, um, obviously, they, they've tightened the belt and then obviously fixed his leg, but um, that's always a good fun. Any good pranks on each other back here? No, 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 no. Too professional. It's interesting that Tim Morgan's answering these questions because uh, Saturday is Tim Morgan's day for having a little bit of fun. Um, I think he's been been around the business for a long time. He can he can do things that the audience would never see. Really, would never even notice. Yet, obviously, people being on stage doing the same show, anything that's slightly different, you can it's it's high it's magnified. So Tim Morgan on a Saturday, he's um he's good as gold. (laughs) Well said, well said. <laughs> Can you give us any examples? <laughs> you probably could, Ben, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, he used to come on stage, stand next to me, and um, be a whole foot shorter in in the scene where we're, where we're all standing, learning the music. Um, I would turn to my right, and and Tim Morgan would suddenly be a very short man. Yeah. <laughs> that right, it's a character choice. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, we can't yeah. be tall. So. We ask the same this one question to everyone that we interview, and I'm really interested to hear four different people in a room answer it because I'd imagine you'd all have different answers. But do you think that show business is a game that you need to learn how to play? Of course, we're taught so many things at college, and uh, you know it really does prepare you for the business. But I think once you're, you know, if you came into this room it'd be a real shock to the system because you've not been in any room like this ever with experience that is here. Um, so I would say, yes, it is a, you know, you do have to learn and you learn from the good stuff and I think you learn from the bad stuff. But generally, you know, being the West End, it's pretty good stuff you learn from different people and I think, you know, as long as you're willing to learn from other people and, and just watch and listen, which I try to do, you know, I learn, I learn every day from these boys and, you know, even watching the, the discipline of the ballet girls and the, the ballet boys in the show. So it's the ballet girls' discipline that you're looking at? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> sir. I think that talent is a huge, plays a huge part in the business. I, of course it does. You have to be able to go on stage and have to be able to produce the goods, but there's an awful lot of talented people out there who can all do a, a similar from an audience point of view, I wouldn't know that they would notice that much of a difference, to be honest, with a lot of people that can do the same thing. So I think confidence, there's a lot of people that are very, very confident. I know a lot of people that are very confident, perhaps not quite as as, as talented as some of those other people, but the confidence seems to get them. I'm not looking at you, Ben, no, I'm not. No, I'm not at all. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, that confidence can be, if you believe yourself, believe in yourself, and you think that you, you know, you deserve to be where you deserve to be, that can go an awful long way to getting you there. The business becomes your social life as well, and you put yourself in social situations where you're meeting people. If there's drinks after the show, like after the first night, and you've got maybe Cameron McIntosh there and casting directors and stuff like that, you want to go and talk to them and say, hi, I, you know, you, you want that, surely that, if you're confident in that, that can surely maybe help you as well so if that that's that's got nothing to do with your talent but has an awful lot to do with playing the game so yeah I think that can help you I think the industry is so highly populated this hard there's not that many roles and producers casters they can choose to give you a job they can choose to end your job whenever you whenever they want without barely any loyalty it's very very different to for example some of my family members who work in other industries they when I describe about sort of what goes on and what the process that we have to go through with auditions or even just little things like requesting holidays and things like that they just find it so so different they don't really understand and we just have to just do things and say yes to this or do that and 
not always kick up a fuss because at the end of the day, producers can just terminate your contract and possibly never even use you again. And there'd be so many people who can do the jobs that we're doing. So it's definitely a game. So I was just going to say, we have a note session on a Monday and uh, we have an expression here called take the note, just take the note. Oh, take the note. Uh, you know, people will get a note and they defensive about the note. You know, and you learn playing the game. Just take the note. I honestly can swear to you, I've been given a note that it was not even me they were talking about, and I still just accepted the note because that's the right thing to do. For the people listening who don't know what a note is, well, you might get no, you might get you know someone telling you, you know, you're standing in the wrong place, or I'm that, I'm, you're not getting across what you need to get across at that point, or, or whatever, or, you know, and and you just you know you might be, you might have been told by five different uh, people in a position to tell you that a different thing and you might want to go well hang on a minute someone told me last week to do the other thing but it's not worth it these people are in a position you know so just just take the note except this is my view I mean you don't have to do that but again that's playing the game if you were to give one piece of advice uh, to the people listening who want to achieve what you're doing and they want to work inside the West End as a performer or in in any regard what would that one piece of advice be from each of you I think that the main thing that someone needs is belief in themselves if you think that you're talented enough and you have enough drive to to get there you've got to put a lot of sacrifices on the line for that and your confidence in your talent and your belief in yourself will help you on the journey but don't get disheartened by not getting involved in it for me i was thinking just be really really aware that on a, on a friday or saturday night you're coming out of work stone cold sober and there are a lot of people in suits um, who are absolutely hammered and they will try and fall asleep on your shoulder so I just think to be really really vigilant and, <laughs> <laughs> just be careful we have not had that one uh, yet thank you advice. great advice I just want to I just want to say you know I, I love we love doing this business it's what we've always wanted to do since I was well I was to do since I was younger so you know I've absolutely loved it and I would never um try and let my children if they wanted to do this I would never put them against it I think it's a wonderful business to do but I would say let the business complement your life don't let it become your life um, my little boy said to me this morning actually he said well, dad when I'm older and he's never said this before he said when I'm older I want to go to space that's one thing I want to do uh, or secondly um, I want to be a surfer and thirdly I want to be on stage and I thought to myself well one of those is almost impossible to achieve. One of them doesn't pay very well, and one of them's being an actor. Um, <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's the thing. He's a five and a half year old, and that's the three things he wants to do at the moment. And you know, no one should stop you from doing those things that you want to do, whatever it is. So I would say, you know, just don't listen to anybody and just do what you want to do. Life's too short. Well said. I would say, um, be as generous as you can. When you get your first job, be generous on stage with someone, be generous off stage, and have fun as much fun as you can have but I think be generous and, and in what way could you be generous uh, off stage off stage you can you know be be a good company member go up to someone say how are you doing how was your day obviously not on the side of the stage because that would be rude in the in the wings but you know just generally be open to other people might have had a bad day and you've had a good day just just embrace it especially in the dressing room because you know we've all got to go we all get on really well here it's very rarely something kicks off in here in a negative way very rarely and this was indeed the happiest working environment that i ever experienced and it's so been so lovely for me particularly to come back here and and speak to you guys Uh, i know it has been for rob as well um thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us and coming in early Uh, have a great show tonight and thank you for coming on Inside the West End lads Room 108 thank you very much
a big thank you to all the guys from Room 108 at Phantom of the Opera. It's really, really kind of you to come in early to work specifically to chat to us. And we loved hearing about uh, how your lives work and how that room works. So for that insight, thanks, lads. Also, a massive thank you to you, our listeners. We have listeners all around the world. Thousands of you out there listening to us. So get in contact with us. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. On Twitter, at Inside West End. Thank you to you guys who have already written reviews on iTunes about what we're doing. If you know anyone who likes theatre or likes listening to podcasts generally, tell them about what we're doing. Uh, we've lined up some really exciting guests for the upcoming episodes. So spread the word. Remember to stay tuned to the very end for a clip of the next episode. But before that, we make this podcast for free. If you've enjoyed it and you'd like to help us make future episodes, then here's how you can. Next time you shop online with Amazon, visit InsideTheWestEnd.com first. Click on any of the Amazon adverts on our site. It will take you straight to Amazon. Your shopping will cost you exactly the same as normal, but Amazon will give us a small kickback as a thank you. Also on InsideTheWestEnd.com, you'll see a donate button. If you'd like to make a direct contribution, then click on the button and follow the link. Now, as promised, we have a clip with our guest for next week's episode. She is one of the biggest household names in West End musical theatre. It's Kerry Ellis. Is it true Jonathan Price walked on stage before one of the performances and announced application forms for the role of the light? He did. Yeah, he did. I mean, for him, you know, he was having like three alphabets in one week or yeah. in one, in a day, he could have two, you know, because one would do the, the matinee and then one would do the evening. So for him, it, it was... Um, did I say alphabet? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you did. I, I wasn't going to correct you. <laughs> I did, didn't I? Yeah, it happens in that show as well. Um, Liza Doolittle's. It was that long ago. See, I can't even remember. Did you play alphabet? No, oh, never. Man. No. <laughs> it's ingrained in me. Later, it's ingrained yeah. in me. <laughs>